IBEC, the voice of Irish business. Welcome back to IBEC Voices, a podcast series about the people and priorities behind Irish business and the global climate that shapes it. In this episode, we are joined by IBEC's Dr. Pat Ivory, Director of EU and International Affairs, and Neil Willoughby, European Affairs Senior Executive. They discussed the big ticket items covered in their summer 2022 edition of the IBEC Europe and Global Focus, which is IBEC's quarterly overview of major issues impacting Irish business at EU and global level. Hello, I'm Pat Ivory, uh, Director of EU and International Affairs here in IBEC, and I'm joined today by Neil Willoughby from our Brussels office, who is our permanent delegate to uh, Business Europe. We are going to have a brief conversation about the uh, summer 2022 edition of the IBIC Europe and Global Focus, which we have just published. Uh, it features insights into the latest developments in EU and international uh, policy. And in this edition, uh, we outline our policy priorities for the Czech EU presidency. We review the impact of the war in Ukraine and the continuing uncertainty of the EU-UK relations. We analyse the outcomes of the European Commission's Winter Preparedness Energy Package and the WTO 12th Ministerial Conference, which took place in June. And we also overview uh, our EU and international activity in Dublin, Brussels, Prague and Geneva over the last three months. Um, So maybe just to start the conversation, I might ask... Neil to uh, just introduce us to the Czech EU presidency priorities which the Czech presidency has just started uh, this month and will be continuing for the rest of this year. So over to you Neil. Thank you very much Pat. Yes the Czechs have been in since the 1st of July, uh, the the middle of a trio with France and with Sweden. Um, It's the second time they've held the presidency obviously a new enough member state from 2004 um, but still quite an influential one for a, for a small member state. Um, from a kind of general Irish business perspective, uh, it's certainly positive. They're very well aligned with our own government. Um, very, uh, I guess, small open economy, very focused on, on pro-business policies, pro-enterprise outlook at EU level, uh, very focused on the kind of free trade agenda. Um, and that's very much, I guess, a different kind of focus to the first six months of the year when we had the French presidency. Uh, a very large member state that was able to kind of assert its agenda quite well um, on the, very much the legislative agenda. So looking at the Fit 55 climate package, uh, the digital services package, uh, various social policy agendas that were very significant kind of points, whereas this Czech presidency seems very much shaped by uh, what's happening geopolitically rather than what's happening um, in terms of legislative proposals from the council and sorry, from the commission rather. Um, so. And it'd be fair to say that we share quite a lot of um, objectives and and, um, priorities uh, with the Czech Business Federation, which we've done quite a lot of work with uh, on uh, the digital side, for example, and the B9+, etc. So uh, Ireland and the Czech Republic would would share, uh, would have shared priorities, would you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the key points, and maybe what's very exciting to see, with the Czech government's priorities for the presidency as well as our own with the Czech Business Federation is there's going to be a lot more focus on the single market and what can be done around improving connection between member states around trade and services in particular which is very fragmented and um, very difficult at the moment so it's very positive to see that on the agenda but 
Uh, we've also seen that in the past, so it'll be a challenge to see how they can actually materialise that and how they work through it. Um, but certainly very positive to see that really front and centre of their, their proposals. I think the other kind of similarity is also on the free trade agenda, and they're going to start looking at negotiating free trade agreements again. Uh, it's been stalled for some time, um, various different trade agreements, uh, difficulties in that at EU level for a, for a while. So it'll be good to see that. I know negotiations with India have begun. That'll be one of the major challenges. Um, and there's obviously relations with the US that'll be front and centre of what they want to do. Uh, the trade and uh, technology council with the US is a very big kind of point of focus for the Czech presidency, um, particularly around supply chains. So it'll be interesting to see how they can how they can move that forward. But certainly a lot more positives, a lot of similarity with uh, with our stronger Europe, stronger Ireland campaign as well, as well as what our, what the government is trying to do with the Czech Republic as well. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, you mentioned the uh, Trade and Technology Council, uh, and that has been a big move forward in terms of positive relationships between the EU uh, and the US, and and uh, as a business uh, group and with with members who are very very closely aligned uh, with with US business, uh, there's a lot of of uh, priorities within the Trade and Technology Council, which we will be working on in the uh, second half of this year. Um, I know that um, perhaps the EU-UK relations are, are not quite so positive. Uh, we've had the um, the resignation of uh, Prime Minister uh, Boris Johnson in the UK and the leadership campaign is, is, is on the way there now. It's down to, to two now, Richie Shunak, the ex-Chancellor, of the Exchequer in the UK and Liz Trust, the, uh, the uh, uh, Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs in, in, in the UK. So who's successful in that uh, particular campaign maybe is uh, it's an opportunity to reset and, and have a look at whether we can get the trajectory of EU-UK relations back onto a more positive footing yeah. and uh, particularly with the uh, Northern Ireland Protocol situation. Would you agree, Neil? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a good point to raise. I know one thing that we're we're recording this just uh, the day after the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill in in the UK has moved through the House of Commons very quickly before the summer recess, and um, so that'll go before the House of Lords in September, and that can move actually quite quickly and potentially could be law before the end of the year. And um, I know we expect some challenges in the House of Lords, and um, so it might take some time further than that. But um, with that bill potentially moving forward and coming into law. What would your expectations be? Is there a chance that there'll be different conditions for Irish businesses in the short term? And what possible impact could the bill have? I think in the short term, the conditions for Irish business will remain the same. The bill will take at least a, a year to get through the through the process. And even then, uh, it, it's about operational, uh, whether ministers actually decide to uh, implement, uh, implement the bill. So that's some time off. Yeah. And uh, the EU Commission has also restarted infringement proceedings against the UK because they uh, have quite correctly seen this as a, as a, as a breach of the, the agreement, uh, the withdrawal agreement and the implementation of the protocol in Ireland and Northern Ireland. From our perspective, it's very important that the difficulties are resolved uh, for the all-island economy, also to support the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, the Belfast Good Friday Agreement has been in place nearly 25 years now and uh, it's a very important part of uh, the operation of the all-island economy. So hopefully we can see some progress in the second half 
uh, of the year. Uh, and, you know, the EU and the UK get back around the table to talk about some of these uh, problems through the specialised committee structure that's there already and ironing out uh, some of the difficulties on trade between uh, Northern Ireland and, and, and Great Britain. Uh, but certainly, I think um, for the immediate future, the conditions for Irish business should remain the same. Um, I suppose which brings us on to, to the uh, Ukraine and the war in the Ukraine in, in terms of the uh, geopolitical pressures which, which uh, we spoke about earlier on. And uh, I mean, the sanctions are continuing to develop all the time, Neil. Yeah, they absolutely are. Yesterday there were some further developments, yeah. yeah. So we know six formal sanctions packages have been, have been signed up to. Um, it was kind of the sixth one where, I guess, the political will and unity among member states started to fragment a little bit when it got to kind of fossil fuels around oil in particular. Um, so things have been a bit slower since then. Uh, the package that we that has come through now in the last few days um, is looking again at, at purely at gold uh, and purely banning the import of that into the EU from Russia. So not anything too wide ranging apart from that. There had been expectations a few months ago to possibly look at looking at gas imports and sanctioning that. Uh, it's quite clear that there's no political appetite to do so. I think that was apparent a few months ago and it's probably more apparent now as we see uh, there's probably a realistic threat that Russia at some stage will continue to reduce the volume of, uh, uh, of gas exports to Europe um, and potentially that causing more difficulties throughout the rest of the year. So um, I think what we see now is probably the last of the, the sanctions packages for the moment. I think that's, it's quite clear that what's been put in place uh, will be there for the medium term, certainly for, for years, uh, if it not two to three, if not more. Um, so certainly it will be a challenging environment to, to trade with Russia for, for quite some time. And I, think, yeah, and I think that that has actually um, been a feature. I mean, the business community in, in Europe and in Ireland have been uh, have stood behind the sanctions in, in a very significant way. In, in fact, there's probably overcompliance. I mean, a lot of businesses have made the decision uh, not to, to continue their business uh, with Russia with the continued military aggression in, in the Ukraine. And, uh, and certainly, I think, with the financial system now under such strain, with uh, um, Russia being outside of the SWIFT uh, finance payment systems, it's, it's very difficult for business even to, to uh, actually do transactions uh, with Russia. So I think that will be a feature of, of, of the year, which I suppose brings us on to our, one of the last topics we, we, we've covered, uh, we'll cover today, which is the WTO 12th Ministerial uh, conference and uh, one of the outcomes of the ministerial conference uh, was a very important declaration on on food security, and that's uh, that that's something which is which was very important given the impact of the war in Ukraine on supply chains and food supply chains as well as energy supply chains, uh, which we talked about. The WTO twelfth uh, ministerial conference was it was great to see that actually happen in in the in the context of um, uh, the pandemic. Um, it hadn't uh, hadn't been a conference in five years, uh, so the conference took place uh, uh, in June in Geneva after being postponed twice during the during the pandemic, um, and uh, it's very important that these multilateral uh, systems and institutions actually deliver some outcomes for for business, 
and uh, there were some good 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 uh, returns on that as well, which we've covered in the in the global focus. Yeah. And more generally on that, Pat, Pat, maybe I know this ministerial was delayed for a couple of years because of the pandemic, and so the fact that it took place was significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, over the last few years, we've seen international bodies be, be challenged by some governments, particularly under the Trump administration in the US, the UN, and others. What's the what do you see the significance of this taking place for multilateralism? And do you think that this injects new energy into the into the WTO trading system going forward? It does, and it's very it's very important that there were there were there were agreements, specific agreements, which actually came out of the of the conference. Uh, there was an agreement on fisheries after um, decades of of uh, negotiations, uh, and that was very important that that the WTO members signed up to that agreement, and that's about ocean sustainability. So linked into climate change and you know the the big. Uh, focus within within Europe on climate change and the Fit for 55 package. Uh, it aligns with that, the, the, the fisheries agreement. Um, also, I think in terms of uh, some of the other outcomes, there was a declaration on health and a limited waiver on, on the trade-related uh, intellectual property, the TRIPS agreement, uh, to make um, vaccines uh, available throughout the world. Um, which obviously is something which is a big interest to our own members here in Ireland and across uh, Europe. Uh, and it was also a very significant extension of the moratorium uh, for the imposition of duties on electronic uh, commerce, uh, which prevents that actually happening. And I think that that's very important. Um, so that there there was a possibility and there were some proposals at the WTO conference that uh, duties would be imposed on electronic transactions, which would have been uh, a real negative outcome and a movement in the wrong direction. So the fact that that moratorium was extended to the next uh, ministerial council, uh, I think was very, very important. Uh, And also, finally, on the multilateral process, I think what this ministerial actually delivered was the space in which uh, WTO members together could work on uh, further refinement and reform of the WTO and getting the appeals mechanism for dispute settlement back up running and the appointment of a judge there and that's something which uh, we would wholeheartedly support and hope the US can actually agree to that. So um, there's a lot more I think in in our uh, Europe and global focus uh, we'd encourage uh, people to have a look at it. Uh, we couldn't possibly cover all the items uh, which we cover in the, in the focus in a, in a brief conversation here, uh, but it's a quarterly publication. It outlines what we work on over the last uh, number of months and also some of the priorities uh, for the autumn period. So we look forward to uh, working with our our members here in IBEC and our partners in Europe and we'll all be getting back to uh, business uh, again after the, the summer break in Brussels. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of IBEC Voices. To read the full IBEC Europe and Global Focus, visit ibec.ie. IBEC, the voice of Irish business.